Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself with better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, education, and empowerment. This week, we bring you a repeat guest with Dr. Nicole Washington, who is a board-certified psychiatrist who focuses and specializes in the treatment of high-performing individuals and helps provide face-to-face services in the state of Oklahoma. But she also does some tele-psychiatric services in Georgia, Louisiana, South Carolina, Texas, Virginia, Tennessee. So she's pretty much where you need to go and where you need to find her. And I bring her on the podcast this week to talk about a very important topic. And I want to, especially the listenership, to kind of understand that a lot of times we talk about the mental health and focus on the mental health and that focusing on the patient. But now we have to focus on, well, the person who's actually giving the advice, the physician. And unless you've been under a rock, you've probably heard the term physician burnout, whether you read it, where you saw it in the blog, where you listened to it on a podcast. And we're going to be kind of doing a nice little dive into the psyche of physician burnout, why it happens, where it happens, when it happens, and how you can actually deal with it, right? So again, this is an amazing episode. Again, I was glad that, you know, she, I must have did something right because she, she came back for another uh, go around for another talking uh, with us. Again, if you don't remember, uh, she was actually on episode 62 of us. Again, you know the link, uh, drbarrypierre.com forward slash LLP062 if you want to check out that episode. So check that episode out. But after you do checking this episode out about physician burnout, and this is going to be the first of a series of episodes with different physicians and colleagues just talking about what physician burnout means to them and their personal experiences. So like always, if you have not, again, this may be your first time, but if you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Overcast, we're pretty much there wherever podcast outlets are. Go ahead, subscribe to the podcast, you know, leave me a review wherever you can as well too, just to let us know how we're doing. Let Dr. Nicole know how she's doing well on this amazing episode that I know you guys are in for a treat. So like always, you guys have a great and blessed day. And again, I'm going to see you on the next amazing episode here on the Lunch Learn with Dr. Bear. One of the sponsors for the Lunch and Learn Community Podcast is the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where you can find t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, stickers, and wristbands with the motto, Empower Yourself for Better Health. Remember, 50% of all proceeds will go to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, where we give out college scholarships to deserving high school seniors across the country. Thus far, we have given out over 20 deserving scholarships to students across the country. So again, 50% of the proceeds will be uh, blessed to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation. And today you can get the coupon code LUNCH20. You can get 20% off your purchase and you support these high school students across the country. Again, the Lunch and Learn Community Store is at shop.drbearpierre.com and the coupon code is LUNCH20. 
All right, Lunch Learn community just heard another amazing introduction on a guest who, one, is kind of funny because not only is she a repeat guest, but she was on episode 62, but she is a repeat guest 62 episodes later, right? So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, take the time to, you know, give a give a warm welcome, Dr. Nicole, for again, blessing our podcast audience with a very significant topic that, especially if you, you know, you do your Googling or you just kind of just watch TV, it's getting so much more, I guess, fan fair these days. So again, Dr. Nicole, thank you for joining us on the Lunch Learn with Dr. Bear. Thank you for having me. So we had your bio. We read your bio out. I got a lot of people with my listeners who like to skip the bio, go right to the main episode. So if someone, even if someone did read your bio, like what is something that they, they may not be able to know about you that just happens to not be in your bio? Like tell them something about yourself. I am an advocate for mainly people who just don't consume services on a regular basis. So whether we're talking about people with severe mental illness like schizophrenia, we're talking about people of color who have, you know, all kinds of barriers about accessing services or even professionals, because I think a lot of people think that because you are, you know, a doctor, a lawyer or whatever you are, that you've achieved that space. So what do you have to be, you know, stressed about? What do you have a need? You know, what what's going what could possibly be going on with you that could be interfering with your mental health? You're making good money. You got a good family. You live in a nice house. You know, they just people have a hard time with that. Trying to kind of coping with that reality that and what's so funny, especially when you say that, like I see that happen more often, especially in the, in the cases of suicide. Right. Especially when it says like a celebrity suicide death and everyone's almost like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. How did it happen? Why? Did it? It's like it's almost a shock because people feel once you meet a certain level of credibility or stature that for some reason, those same things that happen to you when you're not at that stature can't happen to someone else. Yeah. And it's nothing to do what you make or where you live or, you know, any of those things. So I want to talk today about a very important topic. I kind of, I kind of, you know, teased it in the introduction about physician burnout. And it's a phrase now, which interestingly enough has almost has its own like ICD-10 code now, right? Because it has gotten such fanfare. But of course, being on the front lines, right, as a physician, as a practicing physician, I, I really wanted to delve into these, especially these next few episodes on our series. Just what is it? Who's experiencing it? What? Where did it come from? So I, I want to kind of, and you being the introduction, right? Which again, I'm so thankful for. I, I would definitely like to kind of start from there, right? Like, like let's talk about physician burnout and kind of just in general, like what is it? Like what what is that term that we're hearing all of a sudden now? So the term burnout, even though it seems like it's become very sexy here in the last year or so, it is a term that's actually been around since the early to mid 70s. You know, there was a book called Burnout, The High Cost of High Achievement that was written in 1974. From that book is where this term burnout came from. Herbert Freudenberger was the author's name. So he defined burnout as the extinction of motivation or incentive, especially where one's devotion to a cause or relationship fails to produce the desired result. Ooh, okay. All right. So I'm going to say that again. The extinction of motivation or incentive, especially where one's devotion to a cause or relationship fails to produce the desired results. 
And that is, you know, that burnout. So it's, you know, you were once very motivated. You had a lot of incentive to do, to be devoted to your field. You got out of medical school. You had all the motivation and incentive in the world. You wanted to help everybody. And you start to lose that motivation and you start to lose that incentive. And then because you fail to get the results that you want. Wow. Whew, that's deep. Okay. And in the member learning community, anytime I guests mention a book or anything, we'll make sure it is in the show notes so you can read that as well. When we, when we talk about, it, especially in the sense from the physician standpoint, what does that even look like? Like a physician who's unfortunately losing their, their sense of, you know, self, I guess. Right. When you start to experience burnout, it comes in different ways. So there's physical symptoms of burnout. You may have headaches or GI issues, muscle aches. You may notice tension, neck, shoulders. Sometimes people are emotionally exhausted. Right. So, you know, you listen to everybody's stuff all day. Everybody needs you. Everybody's pulling on you. When you're burnt out, you just don't handle that as well. So you're emotionally drained. And when you're emotionally drained, it takes away from your personal life. So it's then not just your your day to day. It it interferes with your ability to be empathic with your patients if you're emotionally drained from people pulling on you. But then it also affects you when you get home because you can't be a good friend, wife, husband, mother, you know, when you just are drained, you can't take anything. That's a very interesting point because I think a lot of times, especially when we talk about the physician burnout, I think a lot of times people think that it only like it, it starts when you clock in and it kind of stops when you clock out. So as I love that you kind of touched on it, that even outside of your your workspace, people are affected or your, your world just gets affected from what you're kind of experiencing within the workspace. Yeah, that's true. And then also with burnout, you, you can feel disconnected from your job. So you and you end up having just this increasing sense of frustration and cynicism. So you just find yourself, you know, getting frustrated with patients about stuff or staff and making negative comments. You dread even getting up and going to work in the morning. Some people just kind of go through the motions. They feel numb and they have a hard time connecting with their patients in that way, you know, that we did, which is for most of us, the reason that we went into medicine because we like that connection with people and that being able to help people. And when you're burnt out from your job, it's hard for you to remember why you loved it so much. Wow. That's a powerful words. When, when you're, and, and it sounds like, especially in, in the sense of a physician who tends to deal with, and I know you work with a lot of high level professionals. So in, in that, the case of a physician who tends to deal with that scenario where people are asking, 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 I don't want to say taking, but again, they're, they're kind of saying like, Hey, let me give you my emotional burden. Sometimes let me give you the physical burden and please help me get this off of me. When you have a physician who that's really their job to deal with that, like when do these issues start like festering up, right? Is this something that 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, like when, when should physicians actually should start being concerned about something like this? In med school, before med school. Wow. We, I, we should oh, so maybe before. <laughs> yes. yes, it should happen in medical school. You should learn how to handle it because there are some of us who have really high stress jobs, but it doesn't always lead to burnout. So it may be, you know, for some people, it is a reflection of how well they manage the stress that they're under. So if we learn how to set good boundaries with our careers, if we learn how to do great self-care, and I mean real self-care, not like a spa day once a month, because that's great. I mean, who doesn't love a good spa day? 
yourself a good spa day, but real self-care, you know, consistent care about, you know, making sure that you're nurturing everything that you need to function well. So if we can teach that early, um, I think we do a better job you know, of handling just the everyday stress that comes with our careers because they're stressful. Especially if you're a medical student having to learn to deal with, I guess what you're you're saying is kind of the reality, like the reality that yes, you're going to be in a stressful job. Yes, people are going to kind of push and pull at you, but you have to be ready for it. Is there things that work better than others when you're first in that beginning process of trying to say like, okay, yeah, I think I do need to deal with something that's eventually going to come about? One of the problems that interferes with us in medicine, and I, I can't speak to other industries, but medicine for sure, we have a little bit of a disconnect. I guess we have a lot of a disconnect between what we are taught to teach other people to do for themselves and what we are allowed to do for ourselves. Ooh, talk. Oh, that's, oh I like this. I like the direction we're going right now. That's <laughs> so I think it's it's our field that needs a revamp of how we look at our role and how we look at what we do. I mean, the you know, I can recall interviewing for residents after residency, you know, for jobs. And I interviewed with a CEO of a facility and he was going, you know, you can make this much. And then if you work this many weekends, you can make this much extra. And then if you take extra call, you can make this much extra. Mm. And I them and I said, you know, if I don't have to work weekends, I can probably be okay with not making that extra money. Like I feel like that's not, I'm good financially. That is enough money. I don't need to keep chasing. I'd prefer to spend time with my family. And he said, well, I just don't know, you know, these young doctors kind of joking, but kind of not, you know, you younger doctors, you know, the old doctors would work 60, 80 hours a week plus, and they work every weekend. And I, I said, yeah. And they were all irritable and burnt out and their families hated them. They were getting divorced. Mm. <laughs> The kids didn't like them. You know, I mean, the, the, a lot of problems came with that. So I think, you know, the, the expectation has always been that you give 100% to medicine and then you just figure out where the rest of your life fits in. Wow. Well, what I love about that because it's it's such a true, I'm a, I'm a program director, so I, I work with residents and, and I'll sometimes hear other attendings, these these young doctors just, they don't want to work as hard anymore. People I understand, especially if you're not in medicine, right? Like our regulated work week hours is making sure that my residents don't go over 80 hours. And I'm pretty sure some of y'all like 80 hours is like, like, so yes, they can go over 70 and be okay, right? Like that's how we typically look at it when you're in a residency. Again, I don't know these other industries, right? But in you, know, you I want to say the real world, it right, it shouldn't be that way. So I, I definitely agree that medicine has definitely skewed our way of thinking. And then unfortunately the teachers, uh, the one who are supposed to be passing down, you know, good skills, good good knowledge, because they're still kind of relying on that old ways, they do kind of downplay the efforts of, of newer and younger physicians because newer and younger physicians aren't about that life. Like they don't want to have to work a hundred plus hours just to please somebody. And I think that's great for them. I mean, I think I think that's fantastic. You know, thinking about even I I used to work in academic setting and how difficult, you know, for a medical student to say, I know it's my third, you know, my third year psychiatry rotation, Dr. Washington, but my sister's getting married in Arizona. You know, can I go to my sister's wedding? And I, you know, I, I would say, absolutely go to your sister's wedding because I think that kind of thing is important. And part of self-care is nurturing relationships outside of your career and being available for your family. 
And, but I also, you know, have heard other attendings and other departments say, oh, they wanted to go to their best friend's wedding, you know? And I thought, well, why not? I would want to go to my best friend's wedding. Right. right. It's, if you, if you weren't in this field, it would, it would seem like common sense. Like, of course you want to attend that wedding, but in our field, right. it's like, no, oh, they want, they, they don't want to stay for 12 hours, you know, kind of, you know, taking notes and have the audacity to ask if they could go to a family reunion. Yes, they had the audacity to ask if they could go to a family, they should go to their family reunion. So those are the kinds of things. And even simple stuff, like how many doctors do you know who make regular annual exam appointments or take care of their own? things because they have their patients scheduled and it's an inconvenience and they have to, you know, I mean, it's just so much that goes into medicine that you end up totally losing and putting everybody else before your own basic needs. Do you find the physicians who tend to err on that side where, you know, they're really gung-ho when it comes to medicine, like they really do a lot of work in in that field, tend, tend to have these same types of traits where the burnout comes a little bit earlier? a lot of it is just based on who you are, you know, just your priorities and kind of how you manage stress. I know doctors who work tons of hours, but they do so well at setting boundaries when they're not at work and they, you know, exercise regularly and they take care of themselves and they, you know, and they seem to do pretty well. But there are those of us who, you know, are, are not doing as great a job of managing our stress well and setting limits and boundaries. So I, I think a lot of it is personal characteristics that, that play a part. Especially with Bernard, especially with our, our our system of medicine, and we kind of touched a little bit on it, how it it's almost status quo to overwork yourself and you almost seem like you're outlier when you don't want to. What is it about like just our system in and of itself that I guess takes away the fire that a pre will even go down to our pre-medical student, right? That pre-medical student who all they could think about is one of the save lives. Take, we, we are, you know, the personal statements right? Take care of people, take care of people, take care of people. And and then sometimes they're not even getting out of school before they're starting to say, well, I don't know. I don't know if this is what I really want to do. Like, what what is it about our system just in general that, that kind of continues to fester that? Yeah, it seems like we do a really good job of just beating people down. <laughs> <laughs> In general, like we just crush everybody's spirits, you know, up front. Um, it, it, I mean, it's hard. I, I definitely know people and med students, like being in academics and medical students who by the end of med school didn't even know if they wanted to even practice. Mm. It, and I have seen, you know, a handful of students not go on to residencies because they said this four years of medical school took me down. I don't think my mental health, I don't think I can handle this as a career. This environment is so cutthroat. So we talk about burnout on one end because just the job itself, just just the always having people lean on you and just the, the pressure of, you know, everybody's looking at you and then you have the Internet and anybody can make comments about you on the internet, you can't defend them because, you know, because you be a Pippa, but you, I mean, you know, there's all these things that just come with, even if the job is going well, but then you add in the negative culture stuff and it, it just takes them down. I, I look at it a little bit like I'm not making light of anybody who is, who is abusing, going through an abusive situation. But I think if I have a, a person standing in front of me 
who is dealing with significant abuse, whether it be verbal, physical, whatever. And then in my treatment with them, I only focus on them and coping skills and they're, you know, let me give you an antidepressant. Let's work on your coping skills. Well, yeah, that person needs good coping skills. We all do, but I need to be focused on this toxic environment that they're in that is abusive to them. Not telling the, the lady who's abused, well, we just need to work on your coping skills. If you just had better coping skills, how about you do a spa day once a month? How about you, you know, make sure you turn your emails off at night? How about, like, that's not going to change the fact that that environment is so toxic. And some of our work environments are toxic. Not every environment in medicine is, but some of our work environments are so toxic and almost abusive to the, the people that work in them that, you know, talking about the regular burnout stuff about self-care and all that, it's kind of a moot point because, you know, I can go to spa days every day, but it's not going to change the fact, you know, in this toxic work environment. And I love that, especially, and again, especially because I'm, I'm hearing it right. And I'm thinking about, you know, uh, as, as a program director, right, being in the, the graduate medical education side, even now, when I tell you that the burnout's gotten so, such a, and I don't want to say popular, right? But because more people are talking about it, what's been happening now is this push on wellness. Which, and I think it's so funny, the push on wellness, like, oh, we, we, we got to make them well. We got to make sure they're doing well. We got to make sure they're getting sleep because it seems like no one really wants to talk about, well, hey, like your system is causing this, right? So yeah, you can have a thousand different wellness efforts, but if you if you don't have a thousand fixes to your your system, especially, and again, I'll, I'll I can talk handily because I'm in GME, right? Like if you don't have a a thousand fixes to your system from that aspect of itself, right? It doesn't matter how many wellness retreats they go to, right? It doesn't matter how much sleep you give them. It doesn't matter how much hours they work because they're they're not happy. Right. Like it's like that's really like the crux of it. So I love I love that aspect because sometimes I think that's and again, it, it's easy. I think when you're not in the zone, right, like or quote unquote, you're not in the club, right? When you're not in the club, it, it may be easy to kind of focus on like, oh, well, you know, they're just not coping well. Right. Or, oh, they got so much money what they worried about. But and I love how you talk about like, no, no, like we got to look at the system itself. Right. Because because and I think that's something that really people don't really talk about when they talk about burnout, because most of the burnout focuses on the physician. Like, why isn't the physician happy? Like, why isn't the physician, you know, deal, they got all the money. Why can't they just, you know, cope how they need to cope? Like, what are they, quote unquote, sad about? So I'd, I'd love that aspect of it. And I can only imagine it. Like I said, I'm in GME. I used to be in private practice. I got some private practice stories as well, too, to, <laughs> to kind of see where that goes. Absolutely. It, my time in academics was was very interesting because I do think that's where it, that's where we make change. We make change with creating systems for our trainees so that when they get out and get into leadership systems, they will demand, basically. You know, I, I think a lot of our, our trainees, you know, millennials and people give millennials a hard time and all oh, the millennials don't want to work. And blah, blah, blah. You know, I get it. I, I, I cannot ever blame somebody for saying I don't want to work 80 hours a week. I get it. I don't want to work 60 hours a week. How about that? If I, <laughs> I don't want to work, you know, four, I'll give you 40. That sounds good. I'll give you 40. Right, like, why um, can't I go back to the 40? I thought 40 was the, the right. Number. I'll give you 40. But, you know, I mean, I, I can't blame younger physicians for, for having those expectations. And I think, you know, the culture will shift, hopefully, as we have, you know, these uh, younger physicians kind of taking over leadership, hopeful that we will see changes 
that really change systems and not necessarily, like you said, focus on physician wellness and 15 minutes once a month in the lounge and that kind right. of stuff. Like say hi and then, you know, keep moving. What's interesting, especially because when we were, especially because we were talking about medical students at first too, with with the burnout aspect, like what are like what are they learning, right? What are they learning that's like already kind of like giving them that idea, like oh, this is this is probably going to be that rough. And I think it kind of goes back to the, the the expectations that they had. What could could someone argue, right, with you, right, that like, well, Doctor Nicole, maybe they should change their expectations. And <laughs> I do think that's part of it. No, I do think that's part of it. I think. When- you go into any situation with unrealistic expectations, it can be difficult. But we also still very much have in medicine, even at the medical school level, this, you know, you have your gunners and you have this culture of, you know, eat, you know, kill or be killed. And there still may not be this, you know, collegiate relationship among the students because they're all vying for, you know, I need to do better than you because I want this spot. And, you know, and then you create, you know, now we have students coming in who have the pressure of knowing that we're no longer at a place when you and I were in med school where there were spots to scramble into and there were extra residency spots that went unfilled. And so we knew we could probably find a place somewhere, you know, it may not be, you know, you think, okay, it might not be my number one or two. I could probably find a spot somewhere, Mm -hmm. but students have the additional pressure of, am I even going to be able to find a residency spot? So you hear all of that, you know, so there's that stress from day one. And then, and and the, the culture at our medical schools is still very old school. It's still very kill or be killed. And you gotta, you know, I mean, it's still very, very competitive. You touched on it because I, I I didn't even think about that, like how competitive it was when you were. Pr- I didn't even think about. I forgot about how competitive you had to be, uh, and I hate to say you had to be it, but kind of had to be it when you were pre med and you were in those undergrads and you were studying together. You were studying those, you know, those MCAT board questions, but because in your mind, you felt like if I miss this one question, I may that person next to me may get the spot that I want. And, and, and you're right. I think a lot of us forget. And I don't want to say forget because maybe we're never encouraged to do so. But I think a lot of us never turn off like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, we're, we're here now. Like we're in the school. So we, we probably don't need to fight because, again, I, I went to NSU Com. They changed the name, but went to NSU Com, and we had 200. We had 200 plus in our class. But still, even with that 200 plus, there are some like you said, there are some people who they kept it themselves. They studied by themselves. They got they got they didn't want anything to necessarily do with the, the majority of the population who might have been more, you know, collegial and just kind of like buddy buddy and together because we we're like we felt like, hey, we're already here. so We don't need to work hard. Let's work together. So and, and then I think that process starts right over again when it's time for, you know, getting on, you know, getting residency interviews and getting residency spots. And, and then that process, when you become a third year resident, you're, you're doing it all. So, yeah, that was, I, I told I forgot about that. Yeah, we, we do that even in pre-med. Mm. Yeah. And as med, so many students, the medical students are concerned about not having enough residency spots to fill into. Because we, cause we sure are we're building a new medical school every, every, uh, right. you know, every, every turn. But. And we're not creating new residency spots to match the number of students that we're turning out. So somebody's going to be left, you know, without a spot. So then that creates an even more, you know, it creates even more competition, you know, for the students. They just don't know what to do. Yeah, that's wow. I didn't even think about that. 
Oh yeah. Okay. So, so our system, right. The, you know, the way it goes, you know, it, it's, it's going in the direction where the spotlight is now kind of highlighting it like, Hey, something is wrong. If you had to focus on, you know, and we talked about different levels, if you had to focus on different levels of ways to correct, like, would you, would you be more on the, like after they're a physician side and kind of working in the medical system or would you be during the medical school aspect of it? Or even in the pre-med aspect of saying like, hey, you know, this is some of the reality you're going, you're, go- you're getting into. So please be prepared. I think I would hit trainees. I would hit med students and residents. So I think for medical students, one of the things is, and you, I mean, you could think back to your training. I know most med schools haven't changed. We don't do a lot of talking about the business of medicine and that side of medicine. And we talk a lot about treating patients and we talk about, you know, this is what you should do and this is what evidence says you should do. And we need that foundation. I'm not saying we don't. But then as a student, you don't have a good feel for what is the business side of medicine? What is the reality of what I'm about to jump into? Like, what does it mean I want to do family medicine? What does that mean? You know, what, what does that mean for me? That mean, you know, does that mean... You know, I'm going to see patients every 15 minutes and they're going to have lists long as their arm and, you know, and that, you know, like, is that what that means? Am I, am I going to constantly feel like I'm not making a difference? You know, what is it? What is that going to look like for me? And I think we don't do a good job of pairing, you know, pairing students with necessarily mentors who actually are out practicing in the fields they think they're interested in for them to really get a feel for, okay, this is what it's really like. But somebody who's not going to scare you and say, get out while you can, like, you <laughs> want who's gonna tell you the really bad things but these are the really good things and this is why I keep doing it and this is why I love it still you know you need balanced people to give them realistic expectations and to learn a little bit about the business of medicine for residents I think the focus should be on just life and just living like what does your life look like because I think you're laying in residency a foundation of how I'm going to practice for the rest of my career. So I think they should focus on not only making sure they get the knowledge they need and get the patient numbers and I get all that, but how do you live life? Like how do you nurture your personal life in addition to your career? Because you have to have balance and the people that don't have balance are in trouble. Like they need balance. And to learn that as a resident, because it's really hard after for three, four, five years, depending on your specialty, you literally cut off all relationships with people you love and care about. And you don't talk to your best friends and your family and you don't hardly go to church and you get all fat because don't work out and you do all these things. And all of a sudden you're an attending and it's like, OK, go figure it out. Go go figure out how to how to be a normal person again. How to, how to reconnect. Yeah. Go reconnect with people you've ignored for five years. Go. It'll be fine. I mean, you just have to, I think, help them and help them too with the expectations of what it's like to practice in the community. I trained at a, in a program that we didn't have our own university system. So we had to, we, we, were, we did all of our rotations mostly in community systems. And so we learned a lot about how that worked in reality. But people I know who worked in closed systems, it was kind of a false sense of what like it's really like when you're out having to deal with managed care and having to deal with, you know, community-based systems. And it just takes a lot of adjusting and getting used to. And people think, well, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. This is not how I thought it would be. 
because we don't train the residents a lot in the business part of medicine and how to function outside of residence. And what I love, especially because we kind of mentioned the business part of medicine, like I've seen people, like I think it, I think that seen, I saw the meme like probably the other day where they talked about just the growth of like administrators versus the growth of physicians in healthcare, especially in regards to salaries. And because again, you know, again, we, when we talk about physicians, you know, uh, you know, we, we don't think money's evil over here. We like money too. And, and they talked about just the amount of cost that's, that's going towards administration aspect, the business of medicine. But then you see the growth of physicians, extru- not even, I mean, not even a sliver of the mountain. And, and I 100% agree. Teaching the business at multiple different levels will go so much further because I think sometimes a lot of times, the, I don't say sometimes, but I don't want to say a lot of times, but sometimes the, the financial enumeration that they were expecting thing isn't there because, you know, they're not seeing that many patients or, and, and you kind of alluded to the 15 minute. And I always want to, I always like talking about the 15 minute because a lot of times people think, well, my physician doesn't care about me. They, they try to get me in and out. And I promise you, it's not that a physician doesn't care about you. It's just that they are in a system that unfortunately rewards seeing more people. And if I have to, if I need to maximize my hour, right, that I'm seeing, I'm going to try to see at least four. I say, so I say 15 minutes, but I'm really thinking 10 because I'm hoping I can get it in and out your room in five minutes because I did outpatient medicine. Honestly, we had, full disclosure, we had a person who came to our office who timed everything we did in a day. So they would time how long it took a person to, you know, come to the front desk, sign in. And then when they signed in, how long it took them to get to the back for my MA to see him. And then how long it took for my MA to see him, for my MA to put him in a room. And when my MA put him in a room, how long it took for me to go to there. And then for me to get out of there. And then for them to go to the front office. And then for me to finish the note. They timed every single thing to the point where they even recommended switching, like how the room was set up. Because they're like, Dr. Pierre, if you're if your chair is on the opposite side of the door and you got to cross your patient, I know it's crazy, right? If you had to cross your patient, right, they may ask you another question. If they ask you another question, that may, you know, take a couple of minutes. So you imagine that a couple of minutes times 50 patients, right? That's, you would have seen 10 more, but like, so I was just like, wow. So, and that's, so that's what we talk, when we talk about the business, there are people who really focus on the business aspect of medicine, unfortunately, at the demise of the physician and at the demise of the patient themselves. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the business and for the students and the residents, I think so many of us are made to feel guilty about being concerned about the money. Right. And so they're labeled as not caring and we get labeled as being money hungry and all about the money. And they just want to churn more patients out so they can make more money. They don't care about us. The pay, You know, they don't care. You know, and that's not true. But I think in any of us, whether you're, I mean, no matter what you do, you want to make what you can make and you want to be able to make for your industry what is a good living, you know? And, and I think a lot of us are made to feel guilty in medicine. Like we shouldn't care about how much money we make because, you know, we should just do it. And I think people have a false, you know, so for students and residents, I think it's helpful to, you know, just kind of make that a little more normal part of conversation and understand that that's part of it. This is your career and that will play a huge part in your satisfaction in your career and your burnout and your, you know, I mean, that will play a huge part in all of that. 
I was I was reading, I think it was like with the wrong one, but I, I was reading some article that talked about how the businesses, right, the businesses at hand, hospitals, you know, health administrations, because they know our love for the patient, right? Because when we talk about physician burnout, yes, the physician loses, but the patient ultimately loses as well. So when we when we talk about this, our love and care for, you know, wanting to take care of people, sometimes they they use that against us, right? And and that's where this this talk of all that doctor cares about is money comes from. It usually comes from people who are making money off the doctor. Right. And and they're like, well, you shouldn't be focused on that. And and they know that because we love our patients, we care for our patients, we'll go the extra mile for our patients, we'll spend extra time for our patients, we'll stay longer, we'll come in earlier, we'll do all these things that are unfortunately detrimental to us because of the goal of, you know, taking care of our own. We'll not spend time with our families in the evening because we're charting from the day of the people we saw because we didn't have time to see all the people we needed to see, give them the care that we felt was really good care and chart at the same time. First of all, amazing episode. Before I let you go though, is there any, especially, especially for, let's say you got a physician right now who thinks like, Hey, you know what? I think I may be burning out. Right? Like, I think I, I feel like I'm, I'm re I've read enough articles. Like I've listened to enough podcasts. I've seen enough videos. Like I think I may be ready. What do you tell them? Right. Especially because again, you, you tend to deal with so many more high level professionals, right? What do you tell them? Like, what, what can you say at this point? So I always call it crispy. Like that's when I, you know, for my own self, when I say, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little crispy. Like I'm feeling things are getting a little hard. I'm getting, I'm getting hard on the outside. (laughs) Like I need to, I need to do something. So, you know, the first thing is just being okay with it. Like recognizing that you're human and recognizing what your signs are and what you need to do. I think I recommend that people take their vacation regularly. I think that helps. You know, I I worked a job once where I had 330 something hours of PTO racked up because I never took leave because it's painful for me to take leave because I would either pay for it on the front end or the back end because I was either going to have to see extra patients before I left or when I came back. So I just didn't take leave. So 300 plus hours, that's insane. Somebody should have said, girl, you better take some leave regularly and, and take care of yourself. So I would say, make sure you, you force yourself to take your vacation regularly. You know, schedule time off. Even if you don't go out of town and doing things fancy, just take some time to reset. So I, I recommend doing that for prevention and maintenance kind of stuff. But if you feel you are getting there. I think you have to to be very intentional about recognizing your burnout signs because mine may not be yours. I know mine are, you know, my personal one is I get a little snippy with the people in my house and normally I'm not. And so when I, you know, the the people in my house, my husband will say, hey, hey, hey now, <laughs> you know what's going on? <laughs> I didn't do anything to you. And I go, oh my God, you're right. Like That's how I know when I'm getting to that point. And so when I am getting to that point, I take extra steps to do things during the day to pull back, to give me chances to recharge. I go outside and walk around. I make sure I take lunch away from the building. You know, I, I, I do things, just little things to help me kind of decompress. I focus a lot more on my gratitude because sometimes I get lax and I don't do my gratitude work like I should. But at the end of it all, if that if those little things don't work for you, then go talk to somebody. Like realizing that going to talk to somebody or doing therapy does not set you up for a lifetime of going to therapy. I think that's always people fear. Like if I got to say, if I got to see him one week, I'm like, I got to see him for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not true. I mean, you can do brief therapies with people. 
I, I mean, I've seen physicians for very short periods of time, like they had a bad outcome at work and they just needed to debrief through it because that we also don't do, which adds to our burnout, right? You, you work with people, you lose patients, they die, you, you know, you have to deal, don't even get me started on people's secondary trauma associated with, you know, our ER docs and our, you know, child abuse pediatricians and our pediatricians and, you know, you, you just carry all that stuff. You know, I mean, that's a lot. Sometimes you just need to talk that stuff out with them. And maybe that's once a month. Maybe that's once every other month. Maybe that's just a standby on call. Like I had a bad case. I need to talk this out with you. But don't be afraid to link with a mental health person. It doesn't mean you have depression or bipolar or anxiety. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means you need a little help, which we all do from time. I agree. Before I let you go, I always like to kind of spotlight our guests and make sure whatever they're doing, working on the Learning community can be privy to to try to help connect. And uh, like I said, we had you on episode 62. This podcast has definitely changed over these 62 episodes. We've definitely grown over these 62 episodes. So so we're so appreciative that you kind of came back and touched out. Is there anything going on with Dr. Nicole that we should be looking out for? Any things you're going on, courses, books, whatever, let it please let us know. Yeah, so I, I guess since I have been on the show last, I have I have jumped into the podcast world. And, and my podcast is called The C-Suite Confidant. So it is all about uh, C-Suite executives, doctors, lawyers, you know, high-performing folks and the stresses they deal with, whether it be occupational, personal. And, you know, listeners have the ability to go to my site, Dr. Nicole site dot com d-r-n-i-c-o-l-e-p-s-y-c-h dot com and you can go to the podcast tab and you can leave me a question so if you have a work issue or there's something going on and you go i want to know what this psychiatrist thinks about this that's going on and you can leave a voice message on the website and i will respond to people's questions on the podcast Ooh, I love that. Okay. Uh, and remember, uh, links will definitely be in the show notes because that's a very interesting thing. I actually, I need like hop on your podcast so we can talk about the life yes. of a, of an internist program director and the stress they got. Yes. So we, let's, let's make that, I'm putting it yes. out in there right now so we can make that Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. We, Absolutely. You know, you know, especially you got you know, sometimes you got to say it out loud, right? Because when we talk about affirmations, right, you keep an affirmation inside so you don't try to disappoint yourself. Right. But as long as you if it's blurted out of there, now you got a whole bunch more people to disappoint. And you don't want to disappoint nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And last question, how can what how is what you're doing right now helping others, especially other physicians, like really empower themselves to take better control of their health? I am all about us just taking our lives back and taking our taking our mental health into our own hands. I think we have just for so long worked really hard to pretend like we didn't have issues because how can we help people and have our own issues? And that is super flawed thinking. But I just work, you know, through my practice, I work with physicians who are having untreated mental health disorders. I mean, you mentioned physician suicide earlier. You know, we think we lose about a physician a day in this country to suicide. You know, but those are just the ones we know about and those are just the ones we lose. You know, what about the ones of us who are out here suffering and depressed and anxious and every day they think, I wish I wouldn't wake up tomorrow. 
And, you know, those are the ones because like you said earlier, it's not just about us. It's about the care we give to patients. And if you're impaired, you can't give good care to other people. It affects your patient care. So, you know, I have through my practice, I work with doctors in seven states now, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, Louisiana, Texas, Georgia, Louisiana, Oklahoma. And I can, you know, work with them on addressing and have previously not dealt with mental health issues. Love it. What's the website again? So people know how to find you. Where can they find you? If any social media outlets and I am on every social media platform at Dr. Nicole Syke, D-R-N-I-C-O-L-E-P-S-Y-C-H, and at the website, drnicolesyke.com. And you there's podcast tab there, there's clinical services information there. And so we, you know, you can find everything you need to know about what I have going on through that site. Yeah, Dr. Nicole, thank you for really enlightening enlightening the the podcast audience to a topic that's very serious. Again, I, I know it's getting a lot of fanfare now, but it's because it is extremely important. And patients, especially those who are listening, don't think that this is just affecting, because again, these physicians who are burning out, burnt out, are still going to work, right? And they're still taking care of your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandpa. Like, so again, do not think that this is just a physician-only problem. Please, thank you for joining the podcast again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner, Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is and if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes always head over to lunchlearnpod.com that is lunchlearnpod all in one word dot com and you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode but especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed bye